Now, I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to stand your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have. We're going to take our copy of God's Word, and we're going to stand, and we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, Acts, chapter 2. This is the history of the church, folks. You said, how should we do church? This tells us right here. How should church operate? It tells us in the book of Acts. But in Acts 2 and 41, this is what the Bible says. It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Somebody said, I'm praying about being baptized. That's a waste of your time. That's a waste of God's time. God tells us to be baptized. If you accept Christ, you don't have to pray about that, folks. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to pray one prayer. He tells you to do it. You just go do it. You just go do it. So they gladly received the word, were baptized, and the same they were added to them about 3,000 souls. Now, in the Bible, they counted people. Why did they count people in the Bible? They counted people in the Bible because people count. That's why we count people. We count people because people count. There's even a book in the Bible called the book of Numbers. So, people count. Verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Verse 43 says, And fear came upon every soul. What is walking in the fear of the Lord? Walking in the fear of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, is not living a life thinking that God's going to put his hand on you in retribution or God's going to put his hand on you in punishment. That's not walking in the fear of God. Let me tell you what walking in the fear of God is. Walking in the fear of God is realizing God is so good to you. Walking in the fear of God is realizing that God is so good to you and he's got his hand upon you. And walking in the fear of God is fearing that he'll ever take his hand off you. That's walking in the fear of God, ladies and gentlemen. Now look, verse 44 says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. Not socialism, not communism, not even capitalism. Look what he says in verse 45. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. What's it saying? It's saying this, Whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? When God blesses us, he always has more than us in mind. Always. Verse 46 says, And they con- and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God. That's what we ought to do, folks. What a praise the Lord. What a praise the Lord. And having favor with all the people. Let me tell you something. There's something about the favor of God. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I have been preaching about people need people. I started out last week, and I started talking about how people need compassion. Everybody needs to be loved. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about how people need a cheerleader how everybody needs encouragement. Everybody responds to praises and raises. And so we're going to talk about how people need a cheerleader. The next week, we're going to talk about how people need a coach. 
You need somebody in your life who's been where you have not been who will help you to get there. You need a coach. Everybody needs a coach. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how people need a cadet. And I'm saying by that, we need to be pouring into other people. But today, I want to talk to you about people need community. What I'm talking about, people need community. People need one another. We need one another. Everybody, folks, by the way, needs a church. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. So much the more as you see the day approaching. I am convinced we ought to attend it. I am convinced we ought to commend it. I am convinced we ought to defend it. I am convinced we ought to extend it. Everybody needs a church, and everybody needs a church family. Now, my wife's father, his entire life, he wore overalls. He wore overalls. And when he went to church, he would dress up and he would put on a starch pair of bib overalls. That's what he wore. And folks, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I am far more interested in what's on the inside of a person than what they're wearing to church. I'm far more interested. You know, uh, a a, a lady said to me on one occasion, she said, Pastor, uh, can you get the little boys to quit wearing their hats to church? Can you get the boys to quit wearing their hats? And I said, Sis, I'm trying to get the little boys to wear two hats to church. She said, Why? I said, Just in case their pants completely fall down, they can cover both sides. My point is, I'm just glad to have the boys. I'm just glad to have the boys. I'm, I'm all for modesty, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not for immodesty. I'm for modesty. But we get too caught up on those things when it's the heart of men, women, boys, and girls that really, that's, that's what really matters. But anyway, my father, as I'm getting off the story, he would wear overalls. There was a man like my father-in-law who came to church, and he walked down to church one Sunday, and he said, I want to join the church. And the deacon looked at him and said, why don't you go back and pray about it? And so the next Sunday he came to church and he said, I want to join. And the deacon took a look at him and said, why don't you go back and pray about it? And uh, a few weeks later, he, he just quit coming. He saw the guy at the little cafe and he said, uh, you never did come back to church. What did you do? And he said, well, I did just what you said. I went back and I prayed about it. I prayed to God. You know what God said to me? He said, God said to me, He'd never been able to become a part of that church either. (laughs) Now, folks, everybody ought to be a part of a church. I would challenge you to be a part of a church. Do you realize the word church is mentioned 117 times in the New Testament? And 95 times it's talking about a local congregation. 95 times. So you say, Pastor Benny, is it biblical for me to be a part of a local congregation? It's biblical, folks. It's biblical for you to be a part of a local congregation. And I want to give you a news flash, folks. There's nothing biblical about a church being a white church. There's nothing biblical about a church being a black church. 
There's nothing biblical about anything like that. I work out with a guy in the morning. He's a good friend of mine. He's on staff at a church. He's a black man. I'm a white man. We're dear friends. And I said to him, he said, 95% of the ch people that go to my church are black. I said, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. And 95% of the people going to my church being white is not biblical. Let me tell you something. The local church ought to look like heaven and not like a country club. It ought to look like heaven. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's biblical for a person to be a part of a church. It's biblical. My wife here today grew up very poor, raised in a house with a dirt floor. She said Christmas came around. She said, I'll never forget, Benny, where I got my first doll. She said, we lived in a house with a dirt floor. And one Christmas, Myers Hill Church pulled up. They started bringing gifts. And Myers Hill Church brought me a package. I was one of seven. My daddy was a coal miner. And they handed me that package, and it was a baby doll. She said, I never got over Myers Hill Church. I never got over that church reaching out to me. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. I lived in the back of a tavern and I've never gotten over a preacher by the name of Clayton Jones stopping by the tavern and looking at my mother and saying to my mother, Benny needs to be in church and you need to be in church, and I know what you do for a living, but I want you to know all of you are welcome down at the church. We'd love to have you down at the church. Thank God for the local church. It's the hope of the world. I believe in the church, and I believe everybody ought to be a part. You say, Brother Benny, I'm not a member of a church. You ought to be, and you ought to be a part of a local church family, not because Benny Tate said it, but because the Bible says it. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus was here, and i got to move. Jesus was here, and when he ascended to heaven, he left hundred and fifty. He left 120 people. Look what Acts 1 and 15 says. It says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together was about 120. So Jesus goes to heaven. There's 120. But on the day of Pentecost, according to Acts 2 and 41, 3,000 is saved. In Acts 2 and 47, they were growing daily. In Acts 4 and 4, 5,000 men come to faith in Christ. I'm not real smart, but if there was 5,000 men there, probably some good-looking men in the group, there were some women around somewhere. <laughs> if you had 5,000 men, you had some women and children. That tells me the church now is at 20,000 people. And then Acts 5 and 14 says they had become a multitude. That means you couldn't even count them. And then Acts 5 and 28 says they filled Jerusalem with their teaching. According to study, there was 200,000 people in Jerusalem, but 100,000 of them were Christians. I mean, this thing was exploding. Acts 6 and 1, they go from adding to multiplying. Acts 21 and 20, there were tens of thousands. So here's what I want you to see. Over a matter of a few years, 
the church exploded. You said, Brother Benny, where did they put all the people? You said, well, I know what happened. They went to church just like we go to Rock Springs. No, 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 no. Because for the first 300 years of the church, there were no church buildings. So they didn't have church buildings. They didn't have a pulpit. They didn't have a sanctuary. So what did they do? Here's what they realized. We don't have church buildings. We don't have a choir loft. But I'll tell you what we've got. We've got kitchens. We've got living rooms. We've got tables. So here's what they did. Look what Acts 2 and 46 says. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They would go to the temple and breaking of bread from house to house. Where were they meeting? From house to house. Nineteen times in the Bible, it mentions Jesus being in a house. Twenty-six times it mentions in the Bible people having church in a house. Here's all I want you to see. They had worship, no doubt, at the temple. But they experienced discipleship and fellowship from house to house. From house to house. Here's what I want you to understand. As wonderful as worship is, ladies and gentlemen, we need something more than that. We need accountability. We need discipleship. We need house to house. Here's what's, here's what's amazing. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're in one of our campuses. But I want you to know that's not enough for any of us. That's not enough for you. That's not enough for me. We need a small group. Let me tell you something. I do my best to try to care for people. That's my life. I don't fish. I don't golf. I don't hunt. I don't do any of those things. I'd golf if you could do it in 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I don't do anything. I, don't, I mean, you say, do, 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 do you deer hunt? No, 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 no. I, I, I never could understand getting out of a warm bed to get in a cold tree. I just don't do it. I'm not interested in fishing. I'm very interested in catching. If they're biting, I'm interested. I'm not interested in fishing, just catching. Amen? But here's what I know, folks. I do my best, but I, I heard about somebody in our church who lost a loved one. And they said the loved one, they buried the loved one. I said, when did the loved one die? They said, Friday. I said, did anybody provide any care? care? I didn't know. Loved one died Friday. They buried the loved one Sunday. I said, I didn't know. They said, Pastor, the reason why you didn't know, all the person did was came to worship service. Person was not connected in a small group in any capacity. Person didn't have a network of closeness. The person was, all they did was came and heard you preach, and then they left. I said, my goodness, we got to get people in groups. 
I've got to take people from rows, and I've got to get people in circles. I, I've got to it's wonderful to be in a row on Sunday morning, but I, I, I need them in a circle on Thursday, or I need them in a circle on Tuesday. And Barbara, Barbara and I have made this commitment so strong. We're going to start a life group in our home. Yeah. Every week we do it. Ever who's in my life group, I'm going to get them to bring a banana pudding. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it. I think God's leading in this. I really do. <laughs> but we're going to start one because we realize futuristically that's the best way we can care for people. Now, here's what I want you to say, folks. Here's what, here's what I, get. Now, I know many of you are not in a life group. And here's Ketcher. Here's Ketcher. You say, Pastor Benny, I'm not in a life group, and I feel bad. Well, let me tell you, we'll feel it together because I'm not in one either. You say, well, Brother Benny, what about your Sunday school class? I'm not in one. So, so he, he's not beating you up. He's preaching to himself. So you say, well, I, I'm not connected, Brother Benny, like I should. That's okay. He's not either. So he's, he, he's in the same shape you're in. So you and him can join hands at the altar and ask God to forgive you. Amen. Forgive us. No, I'm just kidding. But the truth is I'm not. But here's why, folks, everybody ought to be involved in a community group. Four reasons, right quickly. Number one, study the life of Jesus. Study the life. Think about this whole deal, this Christianity deal that we're into. How did it start? It started with a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? That's a small group. Amen? That's a small group. Think about what did Jesus do? Je you, now, now listen, folks. When Jesus wanted to save the world, what was his strategy for saving the world? Well, if you read the book of Matthew, he goes out and calls a few fishermen and says, Hey, guys, join my life group. Become a part of my team. See, folks, for, for Benny Tate to say, I don't need a core group. I don't need a Sunday school class. I don't need a life group. For Benny Tate to make that statement, he's saying he's better than Jesus. Because apparently Jesus did. Apparently Jesus needed an inner circle of Peter, James, and John. I mean, you know, transfiguration, who did he take with him? Peter, James, and John. He had that group. I'm sure it taught Nathaniel. I can just imagine one day Nathaniel said, that really torques me. It's Pete, James, and John. <laughs> Everywhere they go, Pete, James, and John. And man, when they come back, oh, they talk about what went on. Pete, James, and John, it just torques me, Thomas. <laughs> Do you think Thomas, he'll ever take us? Thomas said, I doubt it. If you study the life of Jesus, I mean, he went from 12 to 3. See, I really believe this. You said, Brother Minnie, how, how big does my group need to be? Well, Jesus had 12, but I think 10 is better than 12. I think 8 is better than 10. I think 6 is better than 8, but we all need a small group. I mean, think about this, folks. Think about what I'm preaching about just for a moment. Just, just think about this. Even Batman had Robin. Even Ernie had Bert. <laughs> Even Andy had Barney. And folks, the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He had Tonto. <laughs> the 
old Long Ranger and Tonto went out one day. This is a true story, by the way. <laughs> they were surrounded by all these Indians. And the Lone Ranger looked over and said, Tonto, what are we going to do? He said, what do you mean we, white man? <laughs> Folks, think about even Han Solo. He didn't go solo. He had Chewbacca, amen? So what I'm trying to say, why to Pastor Benny, I need to be in a small group? You just study the life of Jesus. But there's a second reason why we need a small group. We need to share life together. We need to share life together. Oh, folks, I, wanna, I want our church to grow larger because I want to reach people for Christ. But I want our church to grow smaller because I want us to always be able to care for people. Sam Walton said, the bigger we are, the smaller we have to think. No matter how big we get, people still walk through our doors one at a time. And folks, it's the best way to care for people because a small group allows you to share life together. I wish I could sing, you know, I wish I could, I can't. But if I could sing, there used to be an old song that said, if you'll move over just a little bit, I'll lend you a helping hand. I know the way gets rough and hard, but together we can stand. I know exactly what you're going through. I've been down that same old road. But if you'll move over just a little bit, I'll help you carry your load. Look what they did, folks, in Acts 2 and 42. Look at this. And all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know what they do? They get together in a small group, and they discuss the pastor's sermon. They discuss the sermon. They'd say, what did you take from that? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Fellowship. You said, what? That word fellowship, what does it come from, Brother Ben? It comes from a Greek word, koinonia. But I'll tell you how to remember it. This is what fellowship is it's two fellas in the same ship. It's two fellas in the same ship. See, what holds people to the church, what glues people to the church is relationships. That's why we get in the church. Folks, what I'm saying, getting you a good church like Rock Springs and just stick. I mean, I've pastored, I've pastored these people. I call them bunny believers. Bunny believers. They hop here and they hop there and they hop. No, 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 no. No, no. Look what he says. They had the apostles' teaching and fellowship and sharing meals. Well, folks, we can't share a meal in here today. There's too many of us. I mean, I can't do the five loaves and two fish deal. <laughs> I can't do it. But the early church, they got together and they had meals. And then look what the Bible says. It says they prayed for one another. We got one small group. They do Frisbee football. That's the small group. They do Frisbee football. Now, some of you, I wouldn't recommend that Frisbee football. Maybe the checkers class, but not Frisbee football. I said, what do we do at Frisbee football? They said, we meet with each other and we pray for one another. Before we do anything else, Pastor, we pray for one another. 
What are they doing? They're sharing life together. Maybe John's testimony says it best. Hello, I'm John Shivers. Um, I learned about life route through a coworker, and I was going through separation with my wife, and I was talking to a friend about it, and he invited me to go to a life route. I was um confused, a little nervous because I didn't know what a life group was, but on the first day I met a couple that was in the life group and they shared their testimony with me about they had went through a separation. The next day I started receiving text messages from the life group telling me, you know, stay the course. They were praying for me and just trust God and his word. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and my son we came to church for about the third or fourth time, and Pastor Benny asked couples to just everyone to come down to the altar. And when we got to the altar, and before I, I looked up, my life group had surrounded us in prayer. Even though I didn't know what a life group was, and now that I know what it consists of, it's a true blessing. And if anyone really wanted to just join a family and just have someone to just be there for them and just really bear each other's burdens. A life group would really be something to join. There's a third reason why you ought to be in a small community group, and that is to support one another. To support one another. If you look at the text in verse 44 and verse 45, look what they did. And they that believed were together. And they had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. What did they do? They supported one another. Do you know, folks, 59 times in the Bible, the Bible speaks of one another. 59 times. If you look in John 13 and 35, it teaches us to love one another. If you look in Romans 4 and 13, it teaches us to not pass judgment on one another, to not judge one another. I often tell the story about doctor, my doctor who's in the church and saying to my doctor, I, I love Barbara, and I said to my doctor, I said, Barbara's hearing's going bad. He said, you think so? I said, Yes. He said, how bad you did? I said, I don't know, but it's bad. He said, well, get at a distance and say something and move closer. I said, I'll be glad to. So I walked in the house and I said, is dinner ready? Silence. I stepped up and I said, is dinner ready? Silence. I got within five feet of her. Is dinner ready? She said, for the third time, no. <laughs> All I'm trying to say, folks, we don't need to judge one another, amen? We don't need to do that. We need to take care of ourselves. The Bible says, Galatians 6 and 2, bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 4 and 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. 
Do you ever think about this? You go to a restaurant. This is what I hate. I'm an impatient guy. I hate when they bring the other person's food out and I have to wait 10 minutes on mine. You ever been there and done that? Just want to slap the waitress in Jesus' name. But anyway, <laughs> you, know what's, well, you know what the Bible says we're supposed to do? When they bring somebody else's food out or they bring yours and they don't have theirs, you say, well, the nice thing to do, the manners thing to do would be wait. Oh, it's not only manners. Look, 1 Corinthians 11 and 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry you one for another. What's that mean? That means if everybody hadn't got their food, you don't start eating. What should we do? We ought to one another, one another. We ought to one another, one another. What I'm trying to say, why do we need to be in a small group so we can support one another? There's one other point. I think there's a fourth reason why we ought to be in a small group. So we can show God's grace to others. So we can show God's grace to others. You say, I want, I want the world to see Jesus in my life. Pastor Benny, I want the world to see Jesus in me. And I, want, I know that. How do we do this? John 13 and 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Let me tell you something. When you're in a community of people and people look and see how you love one another, it draws them to Christianity. When they see Christian people loving one another, it draws lost people to Christianity. They want what you have because they say, I see something different about them. Because see, folks, this is all I'm going to say. In life, you're going to go through struggles. And you're going to need God. And you're going to need people. You're going to need, you say, well, Brother Benny, I, I go and hear Brother Benny preach. I want you to know that's not enough. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not enough. And I can't be enough. I can't be enough. First of all, I want to say unequivocally, I want you to look to the Lord. I don't want you to look to me. I've just fallen humanity. I've got problems of my own. I don't want you to look to me. You look to the Lord. But you can't get all your care from Pastor Benny. It's got to come from other people. It's got to come from a Sunday school class. It's got to come from a life group. If all you do is come to church and hit the door just as soon as we say the benediction, then you get sick and says, well, nobody reached out to me. Well, Vern, we didn't know you were sick. <laughs> but if you'd been in a small group and you looked across from your small group leader and said, I've lost my mom or I've been sick, they would have been somebody who would have cared for you. You say, Brother Benny, are you talking to me? If your phone's ringing, pick it up. Well, you're rubbing the cat's fur the wrong way, preacher. Turn the cat around. Because you're going to go through difficulty and you're going to need somebody.
precious sister of mine, she went through difficulty. And this is what she experienced. Hi, I'm Tammy McPherson. At first, when um, I was approached about a life group, I was kind of hesitant. Uh, I knew that I didn't know everybody, and I didn't know that if I would be able to open up and tell people my life, everything that was going on in it. I lost my parents last year, and during that time, my life group reached out to me by food, phone calls, uh, cards, love. Um, they were there for me every day. For eight weeks, we had a meal on the table. We had um, a, somebody visiting and loving on us and praying for us. And if it wasn't for my life group, I wouldn't have been able to make it last year. I mean, they helped me through the whole year. I mean, we share things, we laugh, we cut up, we do birthdays together, we um, go out to dinner to each, with each other. These people have become my best friends. Um, you need a life group because you need people to care for you, people to love on you, and to be there for you every day. There was a young man, uh, his name was Justin. Justin, at his own admission, said I was a high school freshman. He said I was walking home from school one day when a group of student bullies, when he saw a group of students bullying a smaller boy. They knocked him to the ground, scattered his books, and sending his glasses flying. Justin said I started to walk on. He said I looked in that boy's eyes. And I saw that boy was hurting. He stopped, found his glasses, and he said, I helped him pick up his books. The boy was so overloaded with books, just tons of books, that Justin offered to help him carry them home. On the way, he learned that that boy was Kyle, a recent transfer to the school. Kyle had no friends and was often harassed by bullies. Out of sheer pity, Justin invited Kyle to come over and toss the football with him. He said the two of us became friends. And at the end of the senior year, Kyle emerged as valedictorian of the graduating class. As Kyle began his speech, Justin said, I was stern to hear all he went through earlier in the year. Uprooted, friendless, bullied, and hopeless. He said in his speech he had decided to end his life and was taking his books home. That's why he had so many, so his mother would not have to clean out his locker. But this time when the bullies attacked, Justin came along with kindness and encouragement and turned Kyle away from despair and gave him hope for the future. You know what I know about all of us? We all need people. We're either in a storm, we just got out of a storm, or we're heading into a storm. People need people. When you go through the difficulties of life, you're going to need somebody. 
important. That's why it's so important. That's why I want to challenge you today to get signed up. Fill out that slip in your bulletin. Become a part of some small group. Maybe the 12-step program. It may be a Sunday school class. It may be a life group. Maybe you want to start one. Take your three or four friends, five or six, whatever you have, and start one. That'd be wonderful. But we all need people. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.